Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast, a podcast all about inspiring and encouraging dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, parenting, and faith on the fly. On this episode of Dads on the Fly, we have the opportunity to speak with a legend in the fly fishing world, someone that Caleb and I look up to for his fly fishing, and as we learned in this episode, how he does it all on the fly. Yeah, so we get the great opportunity to talk to Mr. Tom Rosenbauer, the chief enthusiast at Orvis Fly Fishing. Tom teaches us so much through this conversation. We learn about his story getting into fly fishing, what it's like to be a dad on the fly for him, how he's introduced his kids to fly fishing, how he spends time with his family in the outdoors, and how he prioritizes them. We also talk about so much, including what the next generation brings to the fly fishing community, We discuss some of his favorite places and ways to fish and species to target. And we talk about so many other things. And this podcast conversation is just full of gems. So many little golden things that Tom teaches us and that I continue to hopefully look forward to talking about and learning more about as I grow into a fly angler. And one thing I hope our listeners will pay attention to is as we talk to a man who's fished all over the world and all over the country and is the chief enthusiast for Orvis, his humility shows throughout the whole episode how he is just, you know, you felt like I was just like him, even though I know he's caught so many more fish than I have and he's fished in so many cooler places and he can tie flies way better than me. He made me feel like just an average angler and he was just so hum- humble in his conversation. Yeah, and the thing that I know I've taken away from this episode is just how much he continues to learn. And I think he even says it somewhere in our conversation that if you quit learning, you're dead. And he talks about that, of how he wants to continue to learn through all the ways that he's learned how to fish and continues to fish. So I hope you listeners will enjoy this conversation with Mr. Tom Rosenbauer of Orvis Fly Fishing. Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Located in the heart of Maggie Valley, the shop offers guide trips and top-of-the-line gear and apparel for all your fly fishing needs. Yeah, Shannon and his crew over at the Maggie Valley Fly Shop just opened this October. They're already making a great impact here in western North Carolina. So if you're taking a trip to the Great Smoky Mountains or anywhere in western North Carolina, make sure to give them a shout for a guided trip or go see them for any of your fly fishing needs needs you can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com Caleb here we are today um and I'm just going to be honest man the first time when you and I talked about a year and a half ago about having a podcast I uh we always said we didn't know who would come and talk to us about fishing and we didn't know who would talk to us about being a father and, and hanging out and that's kind of what we want the show to be about and I don't think either one of us in our wildest dreams might could have imagined our special guest for today. Yeah this is uh, <laughs> pretty spectacular when uh, Joshua told me that you had reached out to this gentleman that we're going to introduce here in just a minute when you had told me that I said there's no way and then uh how many it times happens. on this podcast so, <laughs> have you made that comment? All though? the time. There's no way. There's that I no can, way. Yeah. So <laughs> we're so excited to to introduce our guest for today's podcast, and that is Mr. Tom Rosenbauer, a man who needs no introduction in the fly fishing world. And Tom is the chief enthusiast for Orvis, 
And uh, by the way, Tom, that is the greatest title ever to be the chief enthusiast for fly fishing. I can't imagine what that's like. And so, Tom, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Well, thank you, Caleb and Joshua, for inviting me. I, I, I enjoy being on other people's podcasts. I learn I learn from, you know, the questions you ask. And, um, and it's it's easy. I don't have to prepare anything. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a lot more fun being on this side of a podcast. Absolutely. And you've got a phenomenal podcast. Uh, I encourage people to go check it out if they haven't yet. The Orvis Fly Fishing Podcast is great. Um, I'm sure if you're a fly fisher, they, you probably angler, heard about you, it. If you, you listen to podcasts, listened. you probably heard out, but, but I, if uh, not, go check it out. I'll be honest. I, I've recently just really gotten into his uh, podcast and, um, and just totally uh, just immersed with some of the most recent episodes. Um, off air, I kind of want to ask him a couple questions, but we'll keep this about our show. So, um, Mr. Rosenbauer, let's just start with you started fishing at a very young age correct well i started fishing with my dad when i was probably three or four and it but it was all it was all convent you know it was bait fishing basically it was bait fishing for for bullheads and sunfish and stuff like that um he my dad never fly fished didn't have any interest in it and so but i i learned to love fishing you know i mean just certain kids turn on to fishing right that's just in our DNA and, and it's, it's fascinating to us for a reason I've never been able to figure out. <laughs> it's kind of stupid when you think of it, <laughs> chasing a, chasing a, if, whether it's a fly or a worm, you know, jerking a fish out of a, out of a stream or of a lake is, it's kind of a strange thing to do, but, but it's intriguing to a lot of people. And, you know, I just, uh, I saw fly fishing in magazines like Field and Stream, and I saw it on the American Sportsman TV show that was, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, or late 60s. Um, that was about the only fly fishing that you were exposed to. No internet, no no video, no, none of that stuff. And I just thought it looked cool. So I went to Western Auto and bought a Twenty-hour fly rod. My father, who was childhood of the depression, probably would have been horrified to hear that I spent twenty bucks for a fishing pole. But uh, I had a paper route, and so um, <laughs> bought, bought a fly rod and uh, and hacked away at it for a long time. Um, I was, you know, I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a perfectionist, and my mother would tell you that there were there were hours and hours of me just agonizing and complaining and whining over not being able to cast and practicing in the yard. And, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dogged at things. And so I just kept at it and, uh, then met a guy who had a fly shop and I grew up in Rochester, New York, met a guy who had a fly shop and I had been tying flies for a while. I don't know, 11 or 12, 12, 13. And he liked my flies. I kind of specialized in Catskill style dry flies and nymphs. And uh, he started selling my flies in his shop. And then he kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot about fly fishing, in particular nymph fishing. In those days, it was uh, just straight upstream floating line, no indicator, no Euro nymphing, no tight lining. Uh, it was what we call naked nymphing today, you know, just watching the tip of that floating line. 
And he taught me a lot about the hatches and dry flies and took me fishing a couple times, but I think I, I mainly drove him crazy over the phone. You know, I would call him up and, and uh, he never had a son. And I, and I think he kind of took me under his wing. He had a daughter who uh, was, um, uh, had uh, um, mental challenges. And uh, I think he kind of took me under his wing for that reason. And, um, you know, I just, and then I just, I just never gave up on it through high school. I was a nerd in high school. I didn't play sports. I didn't chase girls. I didn't drive fast cars. I went, I snuck away and went fly fishing. So, you know, I, I was the weird kid definitely. And then in college, you know, I, I still continued to fly fish and all my, all my, uh, dorm mates thought I was totally whacked out. Um, you know, I, I was tying flies commercially in college for another local fly shop um, where I went to college and they thought they thought that was pretty weird. Um, you know, back in those days, young young people didn't fly fish. You know, I mean, now I mean, I, I love what's going on in today's world because there's so many teenagers and, you know, 20 year olds that are really into fly fishing. And it's so cool to see. Because they're they're bringing such excitement and and such new things into fly fishing. And when I when I was that age, there no I had one fishing buddy. Um, we kind of taught each other. When I was a teenager, we were in Boy Scouts together, and we you know we kind of taught each other. We read a lot of books. So it's all you could do. We read a lot of books and went out and, and fished a lot. You know, when you're a teenager, you get a driver's license, man, you can fish a lot. You can get a lot of, you can pack a lot of experience into, into your teenage years until you, until you have to go to college and then go to work. So um, I'm not saying we got very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, first time I, first time I went to a sports show when I first started for Orvis and in uh, on the West coast and saw the way those guys could cast, I thought, Oh my God, I don't know anything about casting because eastern anglers were generally you know they they you, you hear the old saying all the time i'm a i'm a fisherman not a caster yeah well uh the west coast guys you know brought it home that hey you know what the better caster you are the more fish you're gonna catch because you're gonna be able to put your fly where you want it and i was just blown away by uh you know i thought i was pretty cool and pretty pretty knowledgeable and i was just blown away by how good they were at, and how they studied casting i just hacked away at it i never had a, any instruction so i want to go back to something you said there that just kind of intrigues me you're you're commercially tying or you're tying flies and being paid for those flies at, at what age did you say yeah like 12 13 14 yeah. okay I, i've been i'm 38 or well, about to be 30 I, don't, I always forget how old i am but anyway uh i've been tying flies for all of eight months it's kind of <laughs> and i think that is remarkable that it, do you think it was just a gift that just came naturally to you no because i could no, I, I don't have any special <laughs> gift it was i mean i mean it was a teenager i had i had all the time in the world yeah. to practice right yeah. I mean, I didn't have I didn't have a family to worry about. I didn't have any responsibilities other than to get up and go to school in the morning. Yeah. Um, and a paper route. Uh, so, you know, I had lots of time to tie flies. Yeah. 
lots of time to practice. And I, I feel like that nerding out and kind of geeking out on all that stuff has definitely paid off for you in the long run now. Um, well, I guess. All that time. <laughs> so, I mean, being able to get to do what you do now is yeah, be pretty spectacular. I mean, 45 years with the same company, yeah. uh, you know, I'm kind of, kind of at a point where I've always wanted to be and, and doing stuff like this and, yeah. and, you know, talking to people like you and getting paid for it and going to shows and doing live fly tying demos and shooting videos. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And getting to travel and see all kinds of cool yeah. stuff and fish all kinds of amazing places. I know that's gotta be. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, do as much of it as people think I do, I yeah. think, but you know, I do a lot of fishing close to home for sure. I fish, I fish almost every day, but it's, you know, it's often just like gar or carp or, uh, I have a trout stream in my backyard. So that helps too. <laughs> that is nice. Um, but I love, and, and you started talking about that a minute ago, you said it's exciting to you. The fact that teenagers and 20 year olds and are really yeah. getting into the sport. Why, why is that so exciting to you? Oh, they just bring such energy to it. You know, they're not, they're not tied into tradition. They're not, they're not stuffy. And you know what, you know what else? The young people are the most considerate on a, on a river, on a crowded river hmm. um, that, I, that I have, you know, the old guys are the ones that come in and high hole you and low hole you and, and get fish too close to you. Cause they always fish there and that's, that's where they're going to fish. The young kids are like, Hey, Oh God, I didn't see you there. I'll go, you know, I'll go up around the bend and I won't bother you. Um, and I think they're more devoted to habitat and conservation too. Do you think we've uh, done a good job with the younger generation as they've learned to fish, teaching them that like what you're saying, given anglers space and things like that. Do you think we've done yeah, a good I job in the so. industry? You know, people, I mean, people complain that, well, they don't have, they don't have any, uh, anyone to teach them ethics because not as many dads teach kids fly fishing, right? Because, you know, a lot of kids pick it up on their own, but it's just common sense. You know, it's, you don't need to be taught that you don't get in a river right next to somebody. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't rocket science. Um, but they're, you know, uh, and I don't know. Uh, they didn't need to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, they're just more considerate. Yeah. And I just think it's, I think it's neat to hear you saying that somebody who's been in the industry for so long, but you're excited about the future of where this is going because yeah, of the energy yeah. that the, the younger crowds kind of bring it into it. Um, you know, know, a lot, a lot of folks, I think fly fishing sometimes has that, uh, what's the word I'm going for here. A lot of people think, fly fishing and they think stuffy you yeah. know old yeah. tradi you said yeah. it like traditional yeah. things but that's the thing i'm kind of and we've been able to experience too through this podcast that we've started is actually getting to see kind of that the vigor that's coming into the sport the, mm -hmm. the excitement the trying new yeah. things i feel yeah. like there's so many new techniques and tactics that people are introducing yeah. new flies because what why, Caleb's trying to say but, is there. Why the, hang on, I want to say this. Why the, why the tradition kind of drew me into the sport, if I'm being honest? Like it drew uh -huh, me into it yeah. knowing that it's old, that it's yeah. it's challenging. Yeah. Like we we have basically tried to create the heart. I feel like we've created like the hardest way to try to catch a fish. And that's what we want to do. Um, 
And I don't know if it's the hardest. It's the most interesting. The inter- maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah, it's yeah, the most I mean, interesting it's not, way to say it's it. It's not that much. I mean, God, I can't I can't throw a bait casting rod to save my life. Um, <laughs> that's that's <right>. true. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's not it's not that hard. It's it's different and it's more. I think I just always thought it was more interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. And and so that that's what drew me into it. That kind of tradition that the, the fact that it's more interesting. But mm-hmm. now I'm yeah. excited about. I mean, I go down rabbit holes all the time about new techniques, new tactics, mm-hmm. new flies. Uh, and, so and so, so and that's, do I, man. That, and I think that's what draws me into it the most is. So, so you've been fly fishing for how many years? Uh, probably like late fifties, you, you know, probably 55, 55 years. And I still feel like from, from listening to you and from reading a lot of your stuff, I still like, I still feel like you're still learning so much. Oh my God, I am. And that's, that's incredible. Oh my God, I am. Every, every time I go out, you know, uh, whether it's on a lake for gar or drum or something like that, I mean, I haven't figured, or carp, I haven't figured those suckers out yet at all. And then, you know, Euro nymphing comes up and whoa, that's just something new. I don't know anything about this. I got to get somebody to teach me how to do it. I got to practice it. And then, you know, trout spay. Oh, you know, using a two-handed rod to throw soft tackles and streamers. I mean, it's, it's, there's lots of new stuff. And it's always been uh, evolving. And to hear, I think it's encouraging. We have a lot of new fly fishermen, new anglers that listen to our show. And I think it's encouraging to say, because I think Caleb tried to say what we always say. And he did say what we always say. It can be intimidating when you start. If, yes, if you don't absolutely. have... And what we've tried to do with our podcast and the people we talk to and and what we've been so surprised and now we know it's the case, it's not stuffy and it's not people who are going to talk down to you at most places. And I think you're, but there, you know, there was a time when it was, you know, when I, you know, in the, in the seventies, um, you know, it was very traditional. It was mostly old guys and um you know they wouldn't if they had a fly pattern it was working they wouldn't tell you about it and they think it was some you know secret pattern that we still see that some around here where we yeah you see it some but (laughs) you know nothing probably what it was it's covered it's covered up by all the the young enthusiastic people so it it can stay in the background now in those days it was you know it was fly fishing yeah we're definitely not the youngest but I do feel like I fit the enthusiast part big time now because ever since we started this podcast, I've been, man, we we eat, sleep, and drink fishing now when we're not. We're not. And you will meet, me and Caleb said, there's not two more less stuffy people in the world <laughs> than we are. And that's kind of how we, I think it says so much for you to even join us here today and talk. And I've, I've read so much about your your humility. And I think that's what's taken you to where you've been. I, I would say that. I don't know if you agree with that statement, but it makes you what you are and as a chief Orvis enthusiast. And here we sit and you can say, look, I'm still learning. And you enjoy it. Like you enjoy learning. It's like an adventure, correct? Yeah. Well, I, I like learning anyway. You know, I mean, what, I mean, whatever it is, you, you stop learning, you die, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, I think fly fishing teaches you humility mm. because we all have those days. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I still have those days when I feel like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I am a total 
clueless klutz. Um, you know, why, why am I even doing this? And why have I devoted my life to it? I can't, I can't even make it work. Uh, so that makes me so feel so much better you, to hear you say that. <laughs> you know, if you're honest with yourself, it really teaches you hum- humility because mm. the fish will make a stupid little fish will make a fool out of you most of the time. <laughs> so true. Do you still have, do you ever tie a fly though and still learn or, or have you got that mastered? Cause I know I, I just oh, speak. God, no, <laughs> I am learning. Fly tying is, is, is the thing where I'm really learning more. I mean, there's so much new stuff, uh, you know, so many cool new flies coming out. I mean, look at Blaine chocolates stuff that he's doing with game changers. That's a, that's the, one of the biggest innovations in flies I have seen in my entire life. And, you know, we're still doing that kind of stuff. Man, when I, you know, when I pick up a fly fishing magazine and I read most of them because I have time now, I'm working f- from home. Uh, the first thing I do is look and see if there's any new fly patterns in there and what I can learn, uh, you know, from from somebody that's got a, a new pattern or a new technique or something. So, yeah, that that's like that's like an endless endless learning that's so neat so going back to your story uh you mentioned there that you had someone that really invested in you kind of early on uh you said you bugged him on the phone probably more than he did even take you fishing uh yeah i love that you have kind of been able to do that i'm sure for so many people you've you've taught so many people how to fly fishing you've taught me things about fly fishing from your videos from your articles from your books um so how important do you think it is for somebody that's getting started to to find somebody like that to find a mentor to find somebody that they can ask questions to when they're learning i know that you know there's so much good stuff out there now on 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 the internet and and in books um (laughs) that i'm not sure how, how important a mentor is it, it I think it's important to have a fishing buddy mm. that you can that you can share the experience with or fishing buddies that you can you can learn together uh, but I'm not so sure that that a you know an, an older or a more experienced mentor is is that important yeah you you mentioned having like someone to bounce ideas and things off with though and i think that's super important i'm i'm super fortunate josh and i are both super fortunate that's what we are for each other and it's kind of cool that we're brothers and we're able to do that oh you guys Um, are brothers we are yeah we're brothers and uh he's older just in case oh you should have let him guess that's always the fun part of the (laughs) show (laughs) uh, i'm just gonna fight through that this time um he's definitely older but that is that is such part of it when we go to the river or if he goes without me and calls me about his trip we're, we're constantly bouncing ideas and tactics and yeah. you yeah. know what do we think might have been the reason we got skunked today because we probably have that question more than we want to admit and uh oh, yeah. so i think it's just it's good to have those people I, I guess the thing is don't try to necessarily do it alone yeah it, doing it alone i mean it's nice i, I enjoy i enjoy at times I enjoy uh, fishing alone um, because I, I think it's a nice it's a it's a nice personal thing to do. But more and more, I you know I, I go with a I go with a buddy. I go you know people I work with, product developers and and casting instructors and um, you know I, I I enjoy that I enjoy that more than I used to. 
I used to do a lot of fishing on my own by myself. And you are I still love small stream fishing, correct? I do. Yeah, I, I do because it's what I have, you know, trout was my, was my first love and I'm still fascinated by them. And if I want to catch trout, you know, the best fishing in the area, I live in the mountains, like you guys are very similar to where you guys live. Um, you know, it's what, it's what you can do to go catch trout. Uh, if I had my druthers, I would rather live on something like the South Holston or the Delaware, where there were big trout and there were prolific hatches. Um, and there was a problem to solve every day. I, I would rather, or I'd rather live on a bonefish flat, you know? Um, but you know, you, you, you take what you got and that's where I live. And, and, and I do love small stream fishing, but, um, I don't love it above other things. Um, it's just because I, I can do it easily close to my close to my home for sure well we're going to take a quick break and after this break we're going to come back with mr rosenbauer and we're going to learn a little bit more about uh his story and his family and talk to him a little bit more about uh your kids and what that's been like for you being a fly fishing enthusiast and uh your kids so we're going to take a short break and then we will be right back This episode of Dads on Fly is brought to you by Anadromous Fly Company. Joshua, tell everybody about Anadromous Fly Company. Okay, the Anadromous Fly Company is your sharpest decision in fly tying tools and scissors. And for our listeners, you can use Dads20 at checkout for 20% off of your entire purchase from Anadromous Fly Company. That's at aflyco.com. Yeah, so go see Herb and his team at aflyco for some amazing scissors. These scissors have changed our fly tying game. So check them out at aflyco.com and use dads20 at checkout. And we're back with Mr. Tom Rosenbauer, the chief enthusiast for Orphis. And Tom, you've been telling us a lot about your story. And then you mentioned uh, to us when we spoke off air that you've got a really interesting story when it comes to fly fishing and you're a father and you've got two children, uh, but you said they didn't take to fishing as much. And so no, would no. love to hear you talk a little bit more about what that experience was like for you. Well, I've heard, I've heard you guys say that you, you didn't force your, your kids. You didn't, you didn't press it on them. And I, I believe in that. I believe that, that um, you want your kids to beg you to take them fishing. Right. Um, and because some kids just take to it and other kids don't. Uh, for whatever reason, it's the way they're wired. And my daughter, my daughter is 34 now. And, you know, I took her fishing when she was little in a canoe for sunfish. And she did it. She did it be, to please her dad. And Father's Day, she would ask me to take her fishing. But she did it. She did it to please me. And then when she got to be about 30, she... Um, decided that fly fishing looked kind of interesting maybe because more people her age were doing it and she said i think i'm going to take a fishing school one of those orvis fly fishing 101 free clinics and she took one 
with her husband who doesn't, he doesn't fish. He's not an outdoorsy kind of guy. And she, she really loved it. And, um, I took her, I took her fishing for trout in the backyard. I took her striper fishing on Cape Cod and she's pretty cool to fish with cause she's a, a fitness instructor. So she's really in good shape. So I can take her anywhere. You know, she, she walked a mile out on the flats in Cape Cod Bay with me with, you know, without a problem. Um, but now she, she had a baby in January. So I think that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, probably be a while before, before she down, does it again how cool but was she did she did get into it and she did you know she she really liked it she lived in boston and she would she got a kayak and she would go out on the charles river and and fish for sunfish and bass and stuff so yeah it came it came along eventually well congratulations on uh being a grandfather that's, yeah thanks uh, my, my, my our dad says that that's uh way cooler than being the father he's always told us he <laughs> he's enjoyed them a lot more now that he lives here and can play with his grandkids yeah, yeah, it yeah takes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. for sure but how interesting is that i think what you said is so important and i want to just give us a chance to elaborate on that obviously your daughter grew up around fly fishing she grew up yeah. with, in your household yeah. right it didn't take when she was young she went with you nope. kind of to please you but as she grew up and, and all of a sudden it clicked and, and sometimes that happens with people unfortunately i didn't fly fish when i was in college and mm-hmm. at appalachian state in beautiful Boone, north carolina and it mm-hmm. didn't take for me until yeah. i was you know 28 or 10 years ago yeah. and yeah and that's a cool story i think people we forget that sometimes these things don't always take and with our kids i think it's a great point you make and we try to say this a lot you can't if you rush them into it or beg them to do it, they may end up hating it, and you don't want that. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want that. You can't force kids to do anything like that, right? You just, you can't force them. And then you said, if it's not fun for them, then they're not going to do it. And, and how do you make it fun for them? In your opinion? Well, <laughs> good question. <laughs> uh, they have to be interested in nature, you know, they have to be, that to be, I think they have to be the kind of kid that chases frogs and turtles when they're little and critters. <laughs> That's a good um, point. And, you know, pulling a, pulling a creature out of an aquatic medium is, is one of the, you know, most thrilling things for somebody who is into, into nature. And, I, you know, I, I believe in not uh, teaching kids to fly fish. I don't, I don't believe in teaching a kid to fly fish. I believe starting them out with a worm and a bobber and with on sunfish or little bass or whatever. And then um, taking them, if you want to introduce them into fly fishing, take them to a dock where there's some sunfish or out in a canoe or whatever, where they can see the fish. And don't give them any casting lessons because casting to a kid is like, they don't know why they're doing it. They don't understand it. And so let them, you know, give them a tankara rod. What's one of the greatest, I think, teaching tools for kids and just let them dap for those sunfish. Just let them tell them, get that bug out there any way you want. And then just duck and, and let them <laughs> flail around and get it out there in front of that sunfish and when they hook that sunfish, 
they're either they're either hooked, no pun or pun intended, or they're not. Maybe they maybe they don't. Maybe they they're maybe it's boring to them. But don't even give them a casting lesson. Take them out and get because kids want action. They want they want to see what these creatures look like. They want to hold it in their hand. Um, so I, I really believe in not not taking a kid out in the lawn and making them do casting drills before they start. That's uh, it's awful. It's like almost, dog watching television. Almost the exact opposite of what uh, most of us do with other things we try to get our kids into. Because you know you would probably never you teach them how to kick a soccer ball or or try to teach them how to catch before you put them on a team or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think what you're saying is great because exact opposite. Just let them go out there and have at it, and it, it'll they'll either love it or not. Yeah, if they want to chase frogs and put the rod down and chase frogs or turtles or whatever. Um, and you, I mean, I'm sure you guys have gone through this. You need to make sure that there, you got water and you got snacks, and and don't don't overdo it. Right? Don't you know when it's time? It's time to stop. When they're tired of it, it's time to stop. You may want to keep fishing. They don't. You stop. Yeah, we've learned that a lot from a lot of anglers on this podcast. Of uh, yeah, when you take, I'm sure when you take yeah, your yeah. kids fishing, uh, you're not going fishing. <laughs> you are no, you are no, taking your kids. You are not going fishing. Yeah. And I think you know. I think one of maybe one of the reasons that my kids um, never took to fishing is that I'm an I'm an all day fisherman. Mm. Uh, I, I've I'm fine going fishing. Man, I like starting before the sun comes up and I don't come home until it's dark. Uh, and I don't eat usually. I don't eat much or I might, you know, eat a granola bar or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty focused. And I, they, they probably saw that and said, Jesus, I don't want to do this stuff. It doesn't doesn't I don't want to stay out all day with dad. Um, well, I can imagine, too. I mean, for you, fishing was work. And so it's never been work. Well, that's, that's true. I didn't it's know from never like your been kid's work. I, to- I totally separate it. My own fishing is, is fun. And you know, if I'm working on a book, yeah, I might be thinking about it a little bit, but it, it, it's, it's never, I've never treated it as work. Okay. So I want to, I got to dial in on that then. So how do you separate it? Cause I love that. I think that is fantastic. I don't know. I don't know. You just, you know, it, you separate it in your mind. Yeah. So I'm going fishing and I'm not going fishing for work. I'm going fishing because I want to go fishing. Mm. And I, I just, I, I just separate it. I don't know. That's good. Now good. you talked about, I know we wanted to bring this in here. Your, your daughter wasn't interested early. I know, I know you have a son as well. And so talk about, what you said and, and you had mentioned this to me how you were still a great dad maybe when they didn't want to go fishing so you know you kind of learned to prioritize when you fished so maybe we have some listeners or, or even sometimes us hey our kids don't want to go fishing today yeah so yeah. so now crap we wanted to go fishing should we still go fishing or do we you know maybe say well today we do this with them does that make sense yeah you have to you have to you can't, if they don't want, if they're not interested in fishing, you can't take them fishing, expect them to stay. So you have to, you have to, you know, prioritize your time. This is, this day is, is family day. And 
this day is my day to go fishing. I mean, we, we all need that for our mental health, right? Yeah. Um, we need fishing. We need it. We have to have it or we're not happy. And so, you know, luckily my, my wife and son love nature and we take a lot of hikes. We, we look for mushrooms. Um, we for wild mushrooms a lot. My son is really into botany, into, into trees and plants. And, and so, um, we do that some days go take a hike in the woods in the mountains and then the next day or a couple days later if i have time i go fishing and i go fishing with my buddies or by myself um you just have to and and not everybody hit you know has the luxury of having that much time to do both so it it's it's a difficult balancing act that's super cool of the way that you've uh been able to figure out time to still get in the outdoors with your family and uh spend a lot of time with them and figuring out what your son's passionate about and um being able to explore yeah know, and you know my son is my son is really fascinated by by trout and and it is is always asking me questions about their ecology and where they live in the river of course we like enough to live on a trout stream so we go and look at them every day um, and he's, he's really interested in the habitat and how to, you know, how to make the habitat better and, and what they need. And he likes to watch them. He just doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to torture a, a creature with a hook in its mouth. That's the reason that doesn't enjoy fishing. You know, he's a very, he's a very sensitive kid. And the idea of, of sticking a hook in a fish's mouth is not his idea of fun. <laughs> I get it. Makes sense. Uh, I just think it's great the way you've made that happen with being able to be with your family. Yeah, and and your family's outdoorsy, and I mean, with a your daughter who's into fitness, and you know, so I'm sure that works out still well, and it did when they were growing up, and so on of being together and times in the woods, maybe when you weren't fishing or maybe outdoors, as you said. Um, and obviously, they respect and ha- have a cool appreciation for what you've done. Uh, uh, in your lifestyle, in your life, and what you've accomplished. But in your experience, have you been maybe not with your family? Have you seen maybe buddies or other people who have uh, had that experience? So their kid really did get into fishing, let's say, and and mm-hmm. now they've got to figure out well. Do I take him all the time? Because you still want your kids to have a, a balanced life too, right? I guess. I don't know. I guess yeah. if my kid got into fishing, I'd probably just be like, okay, we're good. <laughs> he doesn't need to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, again, I mean, like you guys said, you you have to have you have to have your own fishing time. You have to have your own time when you you're doing what you enjoy for your own mental health. And then you and then if you're gonna share it with your kids, that's a whole different deal. You know, gotta, you can't, you can't leave them and go around the bend and, and look for a rising fish. You guys, you gotta stay with them. It depends on the age, right? I mean, if they're 16, yeah, you can just be fishing buddies and go. And, but if they're, you know, if they're eight or nine years old, you, you gotta, you gotta be by their side and help them out and, um, you know, and, and be able to gauge when it's time to quit, when they're frustrated or when they're tired or when they're hungry. That's something that's been more difficult for me because I think I'm more like you are. If I'm in the stream for the day, I'm 
in the stream for the day. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and my son's a little different. He, you can kind of tell when he's had enough walking or, um, we did our first couple trips this summer in the park. And so those are hikes in and, and we're, you know, he's holding my hand through when we're going through rapids and stuff. Cause we're waiting in some, some, you know, smoky mountain blue line streams. And it's, it's a little more than just sitting on the side of the bank. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. can tell when he, he's done, but you know, mm-hmm. what has been cool when he's kind of done. He's just such a cool kid that he's, he'll sit in the splash rocks down river, obviously within my eyesight, 10, 12 feet. Now I can fish a hole up here, and the minute I hook a fish, I just have to say foster loud, and he's he's on it. <laughs> he comes, he knows what that means, and he wants to come experience the whole. Whether I hand him the rod or whether he nets the fish, you know, it, it kind of comes like a team thing. And so, oh, that's great! You're so you're so lucky to be able to do that. So, so that's not been, everybody has that. Not everybody has that joy in their life. So that's been really cool for us, and um, but you you mentioned teaching kids fishing not just you know don't get them cast instructions do you, what else would you say is important other than you know not forcing on them, not cast instructions i know just like how do you, how do we teach them and i know you're very passionate about this how to con- conserve these resources how to take care of all that we have here for us to fish in well, I think you have you have to show them rather than preach to them. You have to show them rather than tell them. And you know things like, well, we can't really go fishing today because this river's too warm. And you know, if we if we hook the trout, we're gonna we're gonna exhaust them and they might die. And the reason the reason it's too warm is because people cut you know people logged it too heavily or they built a highway. Or they put a Walmart parking lot in next to the stream and, and the water, you know, comes off the pavement really warm. And kid, I mean, kids love that kind of stuff. They love the ecology. You know, show, I think showing kids bugs is one of the best. And you guys know, know that. Showing kids bugs on the bottom of the river and saying, hey, you know, if these bugs were here, the fish would, wouldn't be here because that's what they eat. And, you know, if the water quality isn't, you know, water isn't clean enough, there's not going to be any fish here. Um, so you show them that stuff and, uh, rather than preaching to them and they'll get it. They're yeah. smart. They'll get it. They, they do. They pick up on it so quick. We've, I've yeah. done that with my boys, um, taking them and, uh, we flip, we've flipped over some rocks to see what's down there and, you Our know, kids put them, love that. oh yeah, we put them in these little, uh, the little, you know, dishes you get at the fly shop and we'd stick them in there and we talk about them and what they look like and, yeah. It's kind of fun too because we'll flip a rock, we'll catch a bug, and then I've uh, I did this with Reed not too long ago, my oldest. Um, you know, I, I let him look at the bug, and then I flipped open my flies and said, "Okay, buddy, which one do you think works best? Which one do you think intimidates yeah. or yeah. imitates the most?" And uh, that's just a really fun way I think to get them, you know, involved in it, and then involved in wanting to take care of the resource. And and you know, and we we t- we try to talk about that a lot. We try to talk about you know when we're outside wanting to make sure we leave the stream or we leave the area better than we found it. Um, mm-hmm. And wanting, you know, we, we, a lot of times when we float um, in our boat, we pick up trash along the side of the bank that, that we see. And I just think that's an uh, important thing to, like you're saying, you, you talk about it all day long, but you got to model it for your kids and they, they pick up on that stuff. Yeah. Another thing is, you know, if, if there's a trout unlimited chapter that's planting trees or, or something or, or doing some 
dream improvement work. Take your kids along. Yeah, we they like it. They like getting dirty. We had the opportunity to do a river cleanup just right here at our home water, right through town, and so and so that was really cool. So, um, before before we go, um, is there? I don't think there's anything more about fishing with kids, and I would appreciate your advice and all of that. I feel like it would be a, a disservice to me um, because if you listen to our show and our listeners know this, I am the adventurer guy. Like I would, if somebody said, Hey, well, I can take you here fishing tomorrow and I could find out a way to get off work. I would go. I'm just always, it's always looking for more places to catch fish. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I just couldn't have Mr. Tom Rosenbauer on without asking just a couple of questions, if that's okay. Okay. Sure. So I know you live where you live, kind of like we do in the mountains. But if you can, when you can just go somewhere, and I think I know where this answer is going because I've read enough about what you think. But that one species that just maybe not trout that you love to pursue is. Yeah, it would probably be bonefish. I knew that's where it was going. <laughs> yeah, because there, it's all you know, it's all visual. I, I love sight fishing, and. Um, it's all it's all sight fishing and you know you can usually catch them if you do things right i mean you you can usually be successful because unlike permit which don't do what they're supposed to do if you do things right you do things right for bonefish they're going to eat the fly and they're they're fascinating fish the way they you know come into such shallow water um i'm equally fascinated with carp so all right, you mentioned it. Speak on that a little bit. How, I get more excited that? about carp fishing trips than I do about trout fishing trips. So teach you know, us, I'm close to home trips. Teach us a little about that because we've got some guys that do that around here at one of our local lakes, yeah. and we're we're well, we're trying to figure it out. They're 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 like trout or bonefish. They're it's all it's all sight fishing. If you do it right, it's all sight fishing, and they're spooky, and they don't always eat the fly. In fact, most of the time they don't eat the fly. Um, they, they do all kinds of interesting things. They feed in different ways and they're big and strong. They pull, I mean, they get into your backing. Um, it, it, and it's stalking, you know, what I, one of the things I love the most about trout fishing, bone fishing, carp fishing is stalking a fish. You know, it satisfies that, that stalking hunting urge in us, I think. Um, you know, you're, you're playing one-on-one with a fish. Um, you know, you're really, you're really doing it all yourself, particularly if you're waiting and you don't have a guy you're just doing it, you're doing it all yourself. And man, when you finally connect, that's a pretty good feeling. Love it. Well, he's, he mentioned stalking and now I just have to, I, mean, I have Tom Rosenbauer here. I have to ask him when you're, Small, we do a lot of stalking on small streams here in, in mm-hmm. Western North Carolina, and uh, we fish with like two and three weight mm-hmm. light rods, and we love it. And it's our, it's what our go to is. Honestly, what we feel like we're kind of, I don't know, we're not good at anything, but <laughs> what we feel like we're a little better at than other things. How, uh, in your opinion, in in your history, how far? I've always wanted to ask this question from an expert. When the when do you think those? I mean, I know I've spooked fish before, and I know so I've all done a better job of catching up to fish. Yeah. At, at what range, or do you do you say like, are, are there certain days that fish are spookier? Do you think, and it's just not going to matter, or is there always a chance I'm just doing it wrong and I can get to him? 
Yeah. I, well, when they're when they're actively feeding, they're going to be easier to approach because they get preoccupied. And the faster the water that, you know, I mean, when I'm fishing mountain pocket water, boulder pocket water, I mean, you can practically stand right on top of them. You don't need to stalk them. You just put, put your fly out there and they're either going to eat it or they're not. Um, but then when you get to a, a big pool or you get into a lowland area where the water's flat and clear and shallow, then you have to pay a lot more attention to your presentation and your shadow and where you throw your line and everything. So it really varies. It really varies. And we still blow a lot of fish, right? We still spook a lot of fish. Oh, golly, for All sure. The time. Um, yeah. So before, before we go, uh, just a couple things. Number one, do you have, we got one question we want to ask you about at the end and, but do you have some advice to new anglers or even maybe guys like us who've been fishing a while? I mean, you've been doing it, like I said, for, for 55 years and you still love it. So, so how do we keep that passion? Um, good question. How do we keep that passion? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't keep that passion. If it's not there, it's not there. Um, don't overthink it. It's just fishing. But I, I don't think you need to worry about keeping that passion. If, 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 you, if you don't keep it, if, if fly fishing becomes a chore or boring, then move on to something else. Um, but I, I don't think most of us have that problem. <laughs> never. I'll, I'll never have that problem. Yeah, because, I mean, if you like learning, you're, you're always going to be learning, right? You're always going to be learning. And, and every day is different. Every day is different. No matter, I can go in my backyard where I know where I know the fish, or I think I know the fish. Um, and it's different every time I go down there. I think that's the key, just being a lifelong learner and being a, being willing yeah, to, to yeah. dive in and and I know that's the thing that keeps me coming back to fly fishing over and over again. It's like you said, it's, I never know what to expect. Um, yeah. I, as soon as I think I got it figured out, I learn how much I don't really, really quickly. Yeah. And you know, maybe if, if you're worried about losing your passion, well then, do, um, broaden your horizons a little bit, go carp fishing, or if you never Euro nymph, try Euro nymphing, or, you know, if you never caught a gar on a fly, put a yarn fly on and go catch a gar somewhere. Um, you know, mix it up, mix it up. Don't, if you, if you always go and do the same thing, well, then it's probably going to be, get a little boring. Um, so, you know, if you, but if you mix it up, you're, you're always learning something new. Love it. Can you, can you give us one? I know you have hundreds of them, but maybe just a, one cool story that say, you know, this fish or, or this place, just meant so much to me um, with, with a flower out in my hand. Oh boy. You know, I think it, I hate to, I hate to play the COVID card because it's so overdone. And, and, you know, if I start to read a magazine article and, you know, how I survived COVID, I, I, I close the magazine and move on. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, but, but I, there's a stream that's, about 10, 15 minutes from my house, a little, little tiny stream. Nobody fishes it. Um, it. It looks too thin from the road, but it's actually got, you know, you know, these little streams, you look at them from the road and they look like they're too shallow. And then you get in them and you're, you know, over your waist, whatever. And 
I couldn't go. I couldn't travel anywhere. Couldn't go to. I couldn't go striper fishing like I like like to do every year. I couldn't go to the Catskills and fish. You know the bigger streams down there for hatches. And I I just went to this little stream. Fished it a couple times a week, and really got to know it. And it's very intimate. It's very it's beautiful. It's a beautiful little stream. And uh, it just, I don't know, it just became a, my special place that I would go to when things were getting me down or well, things don't get me down that much. I don't, <laughs> but you know, if I just needed a, I need a break, I'd, I could just go there and decompress. It's like you're saying earlier, we always need our time to fish and uh, yeah. we need that for our mental health as much as anything. A lot of times. And yeah. And think... you need an understanding spouse and family too, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's important. When before my wife and I got married, I said, "Look, I'm going to fish. I'm going to fish a lot. It ain't going to change when we get married. Don't expect. You know, everybody expects that their spouse is going to change, and and those habits that they have are going to, you know, are not going to bother you as much, or they're not going to do it as much." I said, "I am not going to stop fishing, and I'm going to fish a lot. And if you if you can't deal with it, then you know." We, we, we're not going to make it. Yeah, see, we messed up and didn't find fishing until after we got married. I, I was so. thinking the same <laughs> thing. I was thinking the same well, you thing. you still have an understanding spouse, though. I mean, if we do. you have an understanding spouse, they know how much it means to you, oh, yeah. to, your men, to your mental health, to your emotional health. Um, and if they don't, well, then, you know. I think both of our wives have also seen. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of our wives have also seen just in the last year with us kind of starting dads on the fly and, and making it a part of our lives how much it means to us as brothers too. And so they can see that. And I think sometimes they even yeah. support us more because they know we're, yeah. you know, being able to be brothers together like that all the time. There, and, are, and doing this there are many days that my wife looks at me and says, I think it's time for you to go fishing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I that's mean, they, they, if some, if your partner appreciates your passion and you know, that passion could be lots of different things, then, then you're in good shape. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're going to end with this question, and I think you've kind of hit on it a little bit, but I, and I was very excited about what you said, but where's the future for this sport that we all love and, and cherish and appreciate and are you know in, addicted in some ways to and, and passionate about? Where do you see that you've seen it from, as you said, when it was just kind of old guys, and now you're seeing this new, new, age, new young people, and where, where do you see the future of all this? Um. Well, I, I see a bright future because I, I see the young people coming into fly fishing who are, you know, so concerned about the habitat and the environment um, and and are, are pushing the envelope and, and doing fun new things. I mean, it's supposed to be fun, right? And they're doing they're doing cool stuff. They're doing extreme fishing and you know, they're doing all kinds of crazy things. And um, I, I think, unfortunately, I think that in the future, we're going to have to learn to love uh warm water fishing more we're going to have to learn to love carp and gar and and bass um and and not get so wigged out on trout because um the climate's changing regardless of of how you think that what you think the reason is for the climate is changing the climate is changing and it's getting drier and warmer and we're not going to have we're not going to have the same trout resources uh that you know in 50 years that that we do now we're not, it's, it's, we're not going to have it. And 
that doesn't mean that fly fishing doesn't have a bright future because there's a, all kinds of all kinds of things to chase with a fly rod, but that's going to change. I have no doubt about that. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking some time for little old dads on the fly here to talk about your adventures and, and your passion. And after speaking with you, um, you know, and can see in your face and seeing how happy and thrilled you still are to be doing what you're doing. And as, as you said in the episode, it, it's never been work for you. And so thank you for, as an angler, for what you do for the sport, for the resources that you constantly give us to, to better ourselves. And, uh, and thank you for your humility. That really just speaks a lot to me, just seeing how um, humble you are. And so thank you so much for taking the time for, for a little old dads on the fly here. Well, thank you guys. It's been an honor to be on your podcast and it's been fun. And um, I hope, I hope your listeners enjoy it. Well, I'm sure they will. So uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you for your time. And uh, we just are so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us and everyone out there listening. Thanks for checking this out. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you.